every time I move to a new place, I somehow have thrown away the things that I needed. And so I have to go to the store and buy all the things that I had just thrown away. And so one of these was a refrigerator. We thought that the place we were moving to had a working refrigerator. It didn't, we had to buy a new refrigerator, get it all hooked up. I'm trying to fix the ice machine to work. I'm missing a cord. And so I'm missing a hose that hooks up to the ice machine. And so I've got to go uh, to Lowe's to pick one of those up. And I am just not the handyman type, I'll be honest. Like you look at me and you're like, I can tell. Uh, just, not, just not good at do-it-yourself projects. Maybe at some point in my life I'll get there, but I'm just not there yet. And so anytime I walk into Lowe's or Home Depot, I just look a little bit lost. And I'm sure people can tell. And so I'm like looking at the aisles, like trying to see, okay, where is this like hose that I need gonna be? I don't even know what to call it. And so I'm like trying to think if someone asks me, like, how do I say what I'm looking for? And so I'm like looking down the aisle and I'm like, okay, it could be down aisle four. I'm like, this sounds about right. But then I see aisle five and I'm like, it could be down aisle five too. And so I don't know where to go. And so I just start wandering aimlessly down the aisles and I'm like looking at the different things being like, hey, is this where this hose is gonna be? And then I get to, I've like gone through every aisle at this point, have still not found this hose. And so I'm just like in the same spot for like five minutes, just like looking, I'm like, maybe I've missed it. And I scan it one time and then I scan it another and then I scan it another and I can't find it. And so finally this Lowe's employee, he comes up to me and he obviously can tell that this guy cannot find what he's looking for. And I get there and he comes up and he's like, hey, can I help you find something? And the pride inside of me is like, no, like I'm just looking. It's like, no one goes to Lowe's just to look. Like you're there for a specific purpose. And so I say that and then he's kind of like standing there just waiting for the moment where like, I'm finally gonna ask him like what it is. And so finally I turn to him, I swallow my pride and I'm like, hey, I've got an ice maker. I need some type of hose to get water from the, like where it comes from to the refrigerator. I don't even know what to call it. And so he's like, he just kind of looks at me, he starts laughing and he's like, you're never gonna find it looking here. He's like, you're never gonna find it looking here. And then he takes me and shows me where it is, all the accessories for the refrigerator stuff. And I grab it, I'm out the door in two minutes. And so whenever I found the right place to look, I had it instantly and had it like that. Uh, the other day I was reading an article um, and I saw a headline in this like kind of newspaper article that I was going through and it said, happiness in America dips to a five decade low. And then it just went through all the statistics where this is the loneliest, the most isolated, the most division, the most just depressed that our world has ever felt. Like happiness is just hard to find these days. And then I read a, a verse like that, First Thessalonians verse where it says, hey, rejoice always. And I'm like, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, I know that I need to rejoice. But when I'm honest, when I turn on the news, whenever I just look at my life circumstances, it's hard to do that a lot of the time. Just yesterday, like my car was having problems and I get stressed and anxious and I'm not rejoicing when I'm thinking about the price that this is gonna cost in order for me to get it fixed. And so our circumstances in life make it so difficult to practice this and to rejoice always. But the scriptures are clear. It says that, hey, we should live a joy-filled life. We should live a life of rejoicing. And so how do we do that in a world where it's more difficult than ever to be able to do that? Like, how do we live with that joy constantly? And I think it all comes down to, hey, we've got to look to the right places. We've got to look in the right places. If we're looking in the wrong aisles for joy, if we're looking to the wrong things for joy, then we're never going to find it. But if we find where we're supposed to look and then we can look there for our joy, then I think what we'll experience is the attitude that we see the Thessalonians have and uh, we'll be able to experience that joy 
in our lives. And so this morning, if you've got your Bible, we're gonna be looking in the book of Philippians. And so we're gonna all, we're kinda gonna be all throughout the book of Philippians. We're gonna start in the beginning and then we'll end up in Philippians four um, at the end. But whenever I think about people that if anyone had an excuse to not have joy, it would have been Paul. And so Paul, when he's writing the book of Philippians, he's actually writing from a prison. And so he's in prison writing this book in Philippians, it's known as the book of joy because the word joy or rejoice is used 16 times in just over a hundred verses. And so it's all throughout this book. And the circumstances that Paul is writing it in are one where, hey, this is probably not the most joyful experience that Paul could be going through, but amidst this, he's experiencing this incredible joy. And so what we're gonna look at is we're gonna look at four places where Paul finds joy and looks to for joy in his life and what that would mean for us to do as well. And so um, Philippians chapter one is where we're gonna pick up. So we're gonna pick up, we're gonna start in Philippians one verses three through five. And so in verse three, he starts, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so this first place that Paul looks to for joy is this partnership in the gospel. And so partnership in the gospel is the first place that he looks. And, uh, and so he says, there's something about whenever you're united with other believers, where you have a common mission that you're going towards that helps you experience joy in your life. I've seen this in my own life. Whenever I have people that are around me sharing something in common, it just heightens the joy that I experience. I don't know if you've ever looked at the difference in celebrations of team and individual sports. It's like when someone wins a golf or a tennis tournament, they're excited, but there's like a cap to their level of excitement. There's like a cap to the joy that they're able to experience. But then you look at a team sport and like when they win, they're all over the field, they're jumping up and down, they're embracing each other because there's something about doing something with people on a similar mission that brings joy to people. And so I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan. And so I was watching the game last night and they won the game to go to the World Series. And as soon as they get the final out, everybody's throwing their gloves up in the air and dogpiling on the mound because there's so much joy whenever they've accomplished something that they've been on on a mission together. And so as the church, we've been given the mission to make disciples who make disciples, to live out the commands in the scripture. When we do that alongside other believers, there's a ton of joy that we get to experience. Whenever we get to see God work in people's lives, we get to celebrate that together. Whenever we see God answer prayers that we've prayed together as a church, we get to celebrate and have a ton of joy to celebrate what God has done. And so this first place that Paul looks is this joy and partnership in the gospel with the Philippians. He says, hey, I have joy whenever I think of you, about you guys because of the partnership that we have with the gospel. And so if we're not sharing and partaking in the mission that God's given us with other believers, we're missing out on joy. But whenever we do step into that, when we live out the mission of God with other believers, we kind of unlock joy that we can experience in our lives. And so that's the first place that Paul looks is he looks to the Philippians partnership in the gospel. And so we can similarly look to this partnership in the gospel with the church, with other believers to experience joy in our life. And so the first one is the partnership in the gospel. And then the second is he finds joy in God's plan. He finds joy in God's will for his life. And so now we're gonna be in Philippians 1, 18 through 21. And so Paul, he starts in 18 and he says this. He says, yes, 
And I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but will always have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so as Paul is writing this, he's saying that, hey, he's in prison right now and he doesn't know if he's ever gonna get out. He doesn't know if he's gonna die in prison, if he's gonna be able to live more of his life, but he kind of has this posture of just contentment and joy that, hey, no matter what happens, he's like, I trust God's plan for my life and that's where I can draw my joy from. He's like, I'm not worried about me controlling my circumstances. I'm sure if Paul could write out his life plan, prison was not on the list of things that he would have wanted. But that's where he's at. And he says that, hey, God is, can use this for something. And hey, I'm gonna trust God in this moment, trust his will rather than trust a will that I could draw up on my own, a plan that I could come up with on my own. And so I often think that, hey, if I get my own way in everything that I want, that's what's gonna lead to my happiness. If, I, if my plan goes A according to A, B, C that I've drawn up, my 10-year plan, my 50-year plan, if everything happens according to plan, then that's how I'll have joy and experience joy in my life. But uh, what I've learned is that life never goes according to plan, that things come up in life that are unexpected. Life is always changing. Things are never the same. Hardships come, trials come. And in those, if I'm, my joy is dependent on my plan and my circumstances, then I'm always left empty. Because in those moments when things change, when things pivot, it's like, where do I turn to? What do I do? But whenever we trust God's plan and his will, and we follow that, then we have this joy that we can experience. And so I've always wrestled with, hey, how do I know what God's will for my life is? Sometimes I think it's this like mystical thing where it's like God has to reveal it and like write stuff in the clouds. I'm like, how do I, how do I know for sure what God's will is? And it's he's given us will in his scriptures. He's written out, hey, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. Whenever we follow the teachings that Jesus has, the commands that he gives us all throughout the scriptures, that's when we live according to God's will. And so our circumstances in life will change, but there's joy in following what Jesus teaches. There's joy in following the commands that Paul gives us throughout the scriptures. And whenever we follow that, no matter what circumstances might change, there's joy in knowing that, hey, I'm following what God has. I don't know where this might go, but I trust that his plan, what he has for me is greater than anything I could come up with on my own. And so Paul has this contentment because he says, hey, I'm not worried about what might change in my life or what might happen, but I am confident that, hey, God who began a good work in me will take it to completion. That's what he tells the Philippians is that he is thankful and has joy for him because God who, prepared, who began a good work in their life will carry it on into completion. And he says, hey, our God is not a liar. Our God is faithful. And so we can trust that, hey, if we follow his will, then there will be endless joy that will come from that. And so there's always more joy than we choose to obey the scriptures and we choose to go our own way. And so we get to experience joy whenever we trust God's plan and not our own. So when we look to God's plan, we have joy in our life. And so the first is God is Paul looked to partnership in the gospel. Then Paul looked to God's will, God's plan versus his own. And what we'll see in the third is that he looked to heaven and not earth. Is that Paul looked towards heaven and not earth. Now we're gonna flip to Philippians three 
And so verse, uh, Philippians 3, verse 20, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And so Paul in this verse is saying, hey, I recognize that this earth is not my home. And so it not being his home, he's saying, I, should, I feel a little bit out of place here and I eagerly wait for one day when I'll be in heaven where everything will be restored, sin will be wiped away, there won't be hardships, there won't be trials, everything will be perfect like God had originally intended. I love to travel um, and so I love taking trips to different places, whether it's across the country or out of the country. And one thing that I've realized like traveling and going on different trips is there becomes a point where it's like, hey, I'm ready to get home. It's like, I miss sleeping in my own bed. I miss the certain types of food and restaurants that I get to go to on a consistent basis. And so there gets to a point where it's like, hey, I'm homesick. I miss my home. I'm ready to just go and sleep in my bed. And so as, it gets clo- as the trip goes on and on, I get more joyful thinking about going home. It's like every time I travel, I'm like always ready. I'm like, it's been a long, it's like life's been crazy. I just gotta get away. But then I get away and I start missing home because like, I can just tell, hey, I'm not intended to live here. This is not where my home is. And that's, how, that's Paul's mindset whenever he thinks about heaven versus earth. He's like, hey, earth is just my temporary home. He's like, I'm on a vacation. He's like, I'm here to live my life according to God's will and serve him. But hey, I'm looking forward to the time where I get to go home and his home is heaven. When I get to go and be in the presence of my savior. So he says, hey, I wait eagerly for that. And that's, where, that's what fuels him. That's what gives him joy is that, hey, I don't have to worry about my circumstances now because I know that one day everything will be restored. Everything will be perfect. And to the circumstances in my life that are not growing amazing right now, it's like, hey, these are temporary. The hardships that I experience right now, these are all temporary because one day I'll be risen with Christ, perfect in heaven, getting to worship And so whether it's financial stress or uh, sickness and family, division, whatever it is, it's like, hey, these things are all temporary, but if we just think and focus on the here and now, it's easy for them to consume our lives. It's easy for them to drag us down, to take and suck joy out of our lives whenever we're still just focused on those things. But if we can keep our minds set on heaven and just meditating on what what that will be like one day, that brings incredible joy in our life because we get to think about, hey, this is what Jesus did for me so that I could live with him forever. And whenever we think about living with him forever, getting to be in his presence forever, that brings incredible joy to our lives now. And so heaven is our, is our home. We can find joy knowing it's temporary and that one day we'll get to be at home with Christ. And so we have partnership in the gospel. Then we have God's plan. Paul looked to God's plan. Paul looked towards heaven and not on earth. And then most importantly, uh, he looked to the Lord and not to his circumstances. His his joy was centered and found in the Lord. In Philippians 3, verse one, he says, rejoice in the Lord. It's a command that he gives, rejoice in the Lord. He repeats it again in Philippians 4, verse four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And so he gives him this command. He's like, it's not an option to rejoice, he gives him a command to rejoice. And so he repeats it not only in the book of Philippians, but he repeats it all throughout the Bible as well. We saw it in Thessalonians, he says, rejoice always. There's this command all throughout the Psalms, all throughout the Bible to rejoice. And so the foundation of our joy 
can only be one thing. I love what Ryan said at the beginning that, hey, this service is about Jesus being at the center of it all. And it's the same with our joy. It's if Jesus is not the center of our joy, then we'll never be able to experience and have continued joy in our lives. Is Jesus is the center of our joy. And which is really comforting whenever you take time to think about it and meditate on it. Because our, like I said, our lives are always changing. Our circumstances are always changing, moving cities, things happening in our lives. But what is not changing is our God, is Jesus. He's unchanging. He's our rock that we can build our lives upon. And so he's faithful and his promises are true. And so we can build our hope around that. And so his character never changes. When others fail, the Lord is constant and unchanging. And I've always wrestled with this. I'm like, how can Paul command us to have joy? It's like it's commanded in the scriptures. And I'm like, it feels like it's so tough for me to just be like, hey, today I'm gonna choose to be joyful. That feels so difficult to be able to choose to do. But because real and lasting joy comes from confidence that no matter what happens, we are inseparably connected to God and saved through Jesus. Is that's where our joy can be centered around. That's why it can be a command is because it's not centered on us. It's not centered on anything that we do, but it's centered on who Jesus is and what Jesus did on the cross for us. And so that's why Paul can command it is because it's, our joy is not dependent on anything that we can do. We can be reminded of it to experience it more, but the reality is that what Jesus did on the cross, that he died, that he loved us, he died on the cross, was raised from the grave and was raised to be with the Father and that we now don't have to pay the penalty for our sin to be able to do that, that we're able to experience incredible joy in our life because of that, if that is the center of our joy. Whenever our focus gets off of that is when it's easy to not feel like we have joy in our life. But hey, if we look in the right place, we're able to experience that joy. One uh, quote that I love from Charles Spurgeon, he says, what a gracious God that we serve who makes delight to be a duty and who commands us to rejoice. Should we not at once be obedient to such a command as this? It is intended that we should be happy. And so he says how it's like a lot of people view commands and it's like this drag where it's like, oh, I've got to do this. Like, this is so difficult. But he's saying what an amazing thing it is that God commands us to live a life of happiness and a life of joy. He's like, that's amazing that we are commanded to do that, that we get to do that, that we have a God that cares enough for us, that he knew that we couldn't manufacture joy on our own and sent Jesus to do it for us. And so that's where our joy can be centered around. One of the most joyful people that I've ever met in my life was a guy named Steven. He's the guy that I met my freshman year of college, shared the gospel with me, showed me what it looked like to really follow Christ. And he had some really difficult things that happened to him in our, like while I was in college. And so he had, lit, he had uh, been working for this ministry for 20 years. And um, my sophomore year, his mom had gotten really sick. And so he was traveling back and forth a lot to be able to be with her and take care of her. And she ended up passing away. And I'll never forget um, just the mindset that he had and the way that he lived his life through incredible hardship. And so he was, he was sad. Um, he shared a lot of burden and he just, he would sometimes would just weep. Uh, me getting to see that alongside of him. But at the same time, he was just anchored in this joy that was from the Lord, that through this trial and through this hardship, I get to see the way that he just looked to Jesus and like people would ask him how he was doing. And he was like, I'm sad, but he would remind people of the gospel and what Jesus had done through that. And I was just blown away by that. Cause in my life, like my 
joy and connection to God just felt like it was always dependent on my circumstances, like how I felt I was doing, if like I was, if people viewed highly of me, if I was being successful in my job or whatever. Um, but seeing him and like his joy that, hey, even amidst these trials, it was unchanging. And so his feelings felt a little bit different, but this joy that came from the Lord was unchanging. And so I'll never forget those moments. And so in my life since then, when things have, hard things have happened, I've remembered his response and it's pointed me towards um, Christ more. I've had conversations with him where I've been needed to be reminded that, hey, my, I'm focusing on my circumstances, but God wants me to shift and look towards him. And he's been someone that's done that through my life. And whenever we do that, it's just contagious. Like people see it. Whenever hardships come, people see the difference that believers have. Because apart from a relationship with Christ, when hardships do come, there is little hope. But whenever, as believers in Christ, as followers of him, once we have a relationship with Christ, when hardships do come, we have a hope that is unchanging and we can anchor our hope on that. And so where are you looking for joy? Are you looking in the right aisle? And so the four places that we see that Paul looks is he looks first, he says, hey, the Philippians partnership in the gospel, that there's joy in partnering with other believers to, in the mission that God has given us. The second place that he looks is that he looks to God's plan and not to his own plan. He says, hey, when I'm following God's plan for my life, when I'm following in his will and what he's outlined in the scriptures, he says, hey, that's when I get to live a life that's full and a life that experiences joy. Then he says, hey, then I look to heaven and not to earth, that this earth is temporary, but one day we'll be at home in heaven with Jesus alongside him. And then lastly, he says, hey, our joy has to be anchored in the Lord. It says rejoice in the Lord, that if it gets anywhere outside of that, if it turns to any circumstance or anything outside of Christ, then it will always be left empty, will always be left without being able to experience that joy. But if we can center it on that anchor, then we'll always be able to experience it. I love what he says at the end in Philippians 4, eight through nine. So he gets through this whole book and then he gets to the end of Philippians and he kind of gives them these final charges. And so he's like, hey, in light of what we've just spent these four chapters going through, he gives them these final charges on how to live their life. And so Philippians 4, verse eight and nine, he finishes with this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And so he gets to the end and he basically tells the Philippians, hey, the things that you've learned from me, the things that you've seen the way that I've lived my life, the things that you've heard me tell you, he's like, hey, put these things into practice. And so I think what he's telling them in this moment is, hey, you've seen this joy that I've written in this entire letter. He's like, I have this joy that comes, that's anchored in Christ that I've experienced in you guys. And he's like, I want y'all to experience that same thing as well. And so what do they need to do to be able to put these things into practice? The first he says, uh, he says, think about such things. And he says, hey, we have to be thinking and meditating on the things of Christ if we're gonna live a joyful life centered around Christ. And so whenever, our look, whenever we look to the wrong places, we've got to recenter that and think and meditate and look at Christ. And so whenever I, th I think about the last two points that he mentions in these, when he says, 
hey, heaven and not on earth, we've got to look to those places. And then we have to ultimately look to Christ and not our circumstances. And that takes a lot of meditation to be able to do that, of our centering our mind and thinking about what Jesus has done for us. And so whenever we have our mind set on heaven and not on earth, we're thinking about what's to come. And so we're not getting discontent with our circumstances right now, but it's this contentment that comes from knowing that, hey, I'm going home. I don't know exactly when that is, but one day I'll be in the presence of Christ. And so it just can get rid of some of the circumstances that we have that suck the joy out whenever we're centered there. But we have to remind ourselves that, hey, one day I will be in a perfect world, that there's sin in this world, but one day we'll be without it. And so it's there and then it's meditating on who Jesus is and what he's done for our life. That, hey, if our hope is gonna be centered and anchored on Christ and that's where our joy flows from, then we have to be meditating and thinking about not only what Christ has done in our lives, but what Christ will one day do. And so meditating on that. And then finally he says, whatever you have learned and received, he says, put these things into practice. And so he says, hey, you've got to go do them. And so I think that's what he's telling us with these first two is, hey, if we wanna experience this joy, we've gotta go do the things that Paul has said in this letter. That, hey, partnering in the gospel, partnering in the mission of God, we've gotta go do that. Living God's plan on our own, we've got to be obedient to what the scriptures say because that's where joy comes from in our life. Is we can learn from Paul's life where he gets his joy and what it's been in his life, but we've got to remember and think about those things and we've gotta put those things into practice. But when we do that, then we get to experience joy no matter our life circumstances, no matter how heavy and burdensome this world feels. And so this world, I, the world feels like it gets more and more burdensome, more and more anxious, the more that I think about it and can reflect on it. This last two years, uh, there was a point where I just had to stop reading the news because the news would just cause this anxiety and fear over my life, just hearing about just everything around the globe. And so my mind was getting centered and focused on that rather than the hope that we have in Christ. But whenever our hope is centered on Christ, then the only response is joy in our lives. Because I love what he says at the end of verse nine. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. And so that's the beauty of the gospel is that we have peace with God and that the God of peace is with us. And God who's unchanging, who's faithful, who is loves us so much that he sent his son for us, what would he not do for us to be able to experience joy in his life? And so we can live this life of obeying the command of rejoicing if we'll just center and anchor our hope on Jesus. And so let me pray for us.